Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, the Atlantic Council's Geoeconomic Center has released a major update to its central bank digital currency tracker. According to the tracker, 105 countries representing over 95% of global GDP are actually exploring something like that, a central bank digital currency, or CBDC, we like to call it for short. A new high of 50 countries are in an advanced phase of exploration. We're talking here about either development or pilot or even launches. Furthermore, the tracker details that 10 countries have fully launched a digital currency with China's pilot actually set to expand next year. And on Tuesday, an official at the People's Bank of China said it will expand its digital yuan trial program to cover four provinces where regional pilots have actually been taking place. But last month, Japan's central bank actually scrapped its plans due to a lack of interest from the public. So what's next and what is all this about in terms of viability for more widespread use in the future. We're being joined now by Manuel Yeager. He's co-founder and head of digital assets at ADEX. Hi, Manuel. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. Now, let's straighten things out in terms of definitions and descriptions, first of all. CBDCs are different from both cryptocurrencies and e-money. Expand on that for us and tell us why governments are so interested. Yeah, yeah, sure. So first of all, very happy to be here today um, and happy to shed some light on it. So basically, CBDC, as you already said, you know, it stands for Central Bank uh, Digital Currency. And that is literally what it is. It's a digital currency, you know, uh, issued uh, either by the central bank or uh, by the government. And, you know, it runs uh, most likely on the same uh, technology that cryptocurrencies are running on today, which is uh, the blockchain uh, technology. Um, and yes, it's a, you know, it's a hot topic out there and, uh, you know, it's explored by uh, various countries and it's exciting to see, you know, the, the different development it takes. So while CBDCs are, of course, digital currencies inspired by cryptocurrencies, they are quite different, aren't they? Tell us more about that side of things. Yes, I mean, cryptocurrencies, um, you know, as Bitcoin or Ethereum, they, they are basically attached to, you know, the, the underlying use case of the specific uh, blockchain. Um, so obviously, there has been a lot of traction over the, the recent years, whereas CBDCs, uh, the goal is more, you know, to, to mirror the respective uh, national currency in a digital uh, format. And I think the interest here is especially, you know, on the efficiency side. If you look at the financial systems out there, um, you know, there are usually a lot of intermediaries involved to settle transactions. So the use of blockchain uh, technology and, you know, that uh, translated to the national currency can leverage a lot of efficiencies. I guess for one thing, CBDCs are not anonymous. Each business or individual would actually hold an account and you have to be verified via KYC process. Also, I guess the other concern is that it sounds as if it is just merely cryptocurrency that is regulated by the authorities. Something that might actually make people feel safer and more willing to accept CBDCs as opposed to cryptocurrencies. Then again, others might say, isn't the whole point of decent centralization, that we all be autonomous and our holdings be autonomous as well and not overseen by some central bank or some regulatory authority? 
I think that, you know, in a way, that is one of the discussion points, right? I mean, that is happening uh, at the moment out there. I think that um, if you if you look at uh, cryptocurrencies, obviously the decentralized uh, part is, you know, what, what attracts a lot of the uh, DeFi users are into it. But, you know, we also have to be, uh, you know, uh, realistic and, and think about it, you know, what is trustworthy, you know, for, for, for major uh, citizens. So at the moment, of course, you know, many people are still scared uh, to try out uh, crypto. So a push like, you know, uh, towards CBDCs can create more, more, more trust towards that. Right. So I put it to one of our previous guests who was talking about something similar, that this sounds merely like government-sanctioned crypto. So that trust element might be there in order to help increase acceptance. But we know that there are various concerns, including hacking. Hackers have stolen $1.4 billion this year using crypto bridges. If digital cash is to eventually replace money, fiat money, how secure really are CBDCs? Yes, I think a very important part to this comparison is to really look into, you know, what exactly has happened as part of these hacking. Because if you think about it, it's not so much about that it exists in the digital format. It's more about how people either store and safeguard um, their, you know, crypto holdings individually or also from a corporate uh, perspective. So if someone puts their crypto with a, you know, with a uh, exchange, you know, is this in regulated exchange? Do they have the respective... Uh, controls and processes uh, in place. So I think that is something, uh, you know, to take note of. Then secondly, I mean, um, just because it's digital, you know, if you look at the current traditional financial system, it's also vulnerable to hacking. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that just because it's digital is more prone to hacking than, you know, the, the, the current uh, financial um, that we're seeing. You know, one of the examples could be, you know, the, the OCBC uh, uh, fraud case. Mm. But certainly more needs to be done to ensure as much security as possible, right? Absolutely. And I think that is, that is where, you know, CBDC is obviously coming from, from the government or the central bank. I think that is something, you know, that, that is definitely given, uh, that there's a very secure uh, system uh, in the background. And, of course, um, if, you, if you think about the technology aspect itself, you know, how transactions are validated and things like that, that is one of the key aspects of, you know, using a blockchain technology and which, which is superior, um, you know, to, to, to traditional centralized uh, databases, you know, that, that banks rely on. Perhaps you could just simply explain to a person who is now going, why do we need CBDCs? I mean, we have e-money. I mean, we, we transfer our funds. We pay for things digitally anyway. Why are these even something that we should consider as individuals within a particular country? That is a very good question. And to be honest, you know, I'm from Germany. Uh, we're not as advanced as Singapore yet. And here in Singapore, we have PayNow. And, you know, PayNow works fantastically, uh, I have to say. You have the feeling that uh, the, 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 the money transfers are happening instantaneously. But in other countries, that's just not the case. You know, you, you have to wait till transactional settlement can take two or three days. Um, so here in Singapore, that is definitely one of the key questions. What is the applicability to, um, you know, to, to retail uh, a client and is, is that the main use case that we're looking at or is it more towards the wholesale uh, side of things you know mm. to think about how can we settle international transactions yeah exactly because the MAS has said that the case for retail CBDCs is not compelling so perhaps in the wholesale arena it will be so explain to us the advantages of that 
how exactly can CBDCs be operationalized in that arena to make business easier, to make everything else easier? Yeah, if you look at how uh, the financial system uh, evolved and where we are now, it still relies on, you know, legacy uh, systems. So if there's, uh, you know, international transfers or, you know, transfers between uh, companies or, or banks, you know, it, it, it can, there, there are multiple intermediaries that all want to earn their portion of money and they're, they're basically using um, old uh, kind of uh, technology. Um, so using a blockchain as a, you know, as a global accessible uh, a settlement layer will, of course, enable a lot of efficiency and things like instant settlement without any kind of waiting time. So I think that is where, you know, the attractiveness uh, comes into it. Whereas, you know, if you look at it from an end consumer retail perspective, you might already have that feeling, as an example, in Singapore, uh, you know, when, when you pay with PayNow or, or transfer to your friends. We're speaking with Manuel Yeager. He is co-founder and head of digital assets at ADEX. Now, Manuel, let's talk about Japan. We mentioned earlier that they recently abandoned their digital currency plan. There was no public interest in it, apparently, or a lack of it. What were the challenges in that scenario? And could we see those challenges actually be replicated in other countries as well? I'm not an expert when it comes to Japan, but I think what, what we are seeing is that, you know, in Japan, we have an aging population. There's literally no unbanked uh, people uh, in Japan. There's a you know, very widespread use of uh, Internet uh, of banking services and e-money is, is widely available. So maybe, you know, for the population, there's like a lack of incentive. You know, what, what is exactly now the benefit of, of using uh, CBDC? Um, it, it, Translates a little bit to to the example that I mentioned also with you know regards mm. to uh, uh, Singapore and the other one is maybe you know people feel more trust uh, in, in in the in the cash system uh, especially you know if there are natural disasters and things like that you know holding uh, cash on papers where more secure than having it you know in a digital form and you know there's no way it can suddenly disappear so you know maybe that's why you know it, it's not gaining any traction there. Mm. Also, I think uh, while we can accept that in certain countries, retail CBDCs may not be something that they would need or even want, in order for the wholesale side to work, there does need to be acceptance, right? More widespread acceptance of CBDCs. Absolutely. I mean, that is, that is a given, right? I mean, if you introduce uh, from a government perspective or center, you, you introduce such, such a new technology, it is very, very key that, you know, you, you can use that. Uh, when you go out to eat or when you go do grocery, absolutely. So what do you think it will take for countries to at least adopt that, the wholesale side of things? First of all, you know, you need to resolve the the security uh, aspect, right? So you need to make sure that it is uh, really uh, secure, that it works in the way that that you expect. Then secondly, I mean, you you need to onboard, you know, the the respective uh, banks. You need to think about, uh, what impact does it have uh, on their business model? So, for example, if the CBDC is, you know, directly sitting with the central bank and then, the, uh, you know, the, the clients have to have accounts with the, um, with the central bank, how does that impact uh, the banks, right? I think um, that's a very significant uh, business portion of, of every bank uh, receiving the deposit and, and using uh, that money. So, so that is something. And then, of course, um, also, all these ecosystem uh, players must be able to, to store and safeguard 
the CBDC. So what I mean is, it cannot just be that the uh, government or the central bank offers the custody uh, of that uh, CBDC. It, it must also be the, the, you know, the different banks or, you know, exchanges and, and things like that. Let's talk about this from an investor's perspective. How much light can you shed on that in terms of potential in that arena? That is definitely uh, very attractive. I mean, if I think about it from EdX perspective today, our investors have to transfer, have to do a wire transfer from, for example, you know, DBS to us, and then we have to wait the money arrives, and only then they can use it, right? I mean, if there's uh, something like the CBDC that could be done instantaneously, you know, they could just transfer it uh, uh, to our chain, and you know, we could offer the custody of it, and then they can instantly invest. So it's it is part of the investment experience, um, and it's for us as a business, uh, the funding process is a is a very critical step. So we definitely see benefit for us uh, if that is coming. We already see, you know, I mean, there are stable coins out there uh, in the crypto space, something like USDC, which you know are, are slowly gaining uh, traction. You know, they also resolve uh, that kind of problem. But of course, what is very important is how is that stablecoin uh, backed? Is it is it secure? And that's where, you know, an advantage would be if there's a CBDC, because there you're very clear that whatever that digital currency represents, there's a clear backing uh, of cash somewhere in the background. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have been asking, are stable coins really all that stable? And they are looking for stability, <laughs> aren't they? Thank you very much, Manuel. Yeah. Manuel Yeager, co-founder and head of digital assets at ADEX. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.